You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by Dr. Petra Bywood from Flinders University to discuss the insights Australian primary healthcare networks can gather by exploring innovative models of care in countries like Cuba and Germany and all around the globe. Thank you for joining me, Petra. No problems. Why is it important that primary healthcare networks continue to pay attention to healthcare models in, in different parts of the world? Well, there are many health systems, including in Australia, are struggling with uh, exactly the same kind of pressures and challenges. Uh, This includes things like ageing populations, uh, increased patient expectations, um, limited resources, both financial and workforce resources, and also increased prevalence of obesity and chronic diseases and multi-morbidities. So... In addressing these kind of common challenges, they can learn from each other and avoid some of the costly sort of trial and error approach uh, and also reduce duplication of effort so that resources could be allocated more efficiently. So um, each of the primary health networks covers quite a different geographical area and population and one single model is unlikely to meet all of their needs. But also, those needs aren't necessarily unique. For example, the remote communities that exist in Canada and the United States and Eastern Europe may also uh, have the same kind of problems as our Indigenous community, as the remote communities in Australia. And same with the Indigenous communities that are in Canada and New Zealand and and Alaska. I think there are some common problems. So uh, before... investing in major programs and strategies here in Australia, it might be useful to look at the evidence that's gained both locally and in other areas to provide confidence and and also guidance in moving forward. So without sort of uh, evaluation or evidence, it's impossible to know whether um, some of the programs have any impact and, and also whether they're making the best use of the limited resources. In um, other countries like Canada and the United Kingdom, evaluation is a key requirement of the funded programs. And this is an approach that is not quite, there hasn't been a very strong focus on that in Australia at this point. So in a recent article in the This Week in PHC newsletter, you, you highlighted the UK's Greater Manchester Devolution Program, or GM for short. You said GM focuses on the place and the people who live in it, rather than the needs of specific organisations and professional groups. In what ways does the model do this, and, and what impact does that focus have on the people it serves and the healthcare system more broadly? Well, Greater Manchester at this stage is is in a fairly early stage of implementation, and so um, the evidence of impact is is lacking. But um, there has been quite extensive consultation and publication of primary healthcare guidelines for Greater Manchester. So it's proposed that they focus on the place and the people and support this by working closely Uh, with patients, with service users, local communities and the frontline staff. So this is not just in healthcare, but across uh, sectors like the public health, housing, education, 
um, welfare, uh, etc. And the aim is to achieve properly integrated public services. This is also supported through what they uh, through a neighbourhood model, which they call uh, locality care organisations, and they use multidisciplinary teams um, that serve natural populations of around thirty to fifty thousand people, um, and it, it expands on the traditional concept of primary health care, fostering a much wider system in, that uses uh, that includes things like uh, physiotherapy. Uh, midwifery, podiatry and social care and also uh, voluntary uh, organisations. So it really taps into some of the community assets um, and the strengths of the local community. Um, the other thing that's really important, I think, in this system is that they take a very strong focus on preventive care. Uh, and that's something that I think in Australia has seems to have dropped off the radar a little bit. Uh, they also uh, look at using um, the workforce differently so that um, to, to accommodate workforce shortages, they can they expand the roles of other professionals like pharmacists and, and optometrists. Um, so I guess for the general public, the aim is to improve the access to primary health care and give them a greater say in what sort of services are provided. Um, and also requires rethinking about who is going to provide the care. So changing those professional boundaries means changing people's, you know, uh, idea of uh, or acceptance, I guess, public and professional acceptance. And also, I think, uh, you know, it's having that much broader focus that covers the other sectors um, is one of the kind of key strengths of the GM approach. Another example of an innovative international model for primary care that you chose to highlight was Cuba's healthcare system, which you said is strongly grounded in primary healthcare and public health. What are some of the tenets of, of the Cuban healthcare model that you believe make it successful? Well, interestingly, you know, I think this was brought to the fore sort of uh, late last year after the death of Fidel Castro, which really sort of shone a light on his legacy of free universal health and education. And some of the key elements of the Cuban success includes the emphasis on inclusion with uh, home visits that ensure that individuals don't slip through the cracks and miss out on care. Um, and there's a, again, there's a very strong emphasis on prevention and on training. Um, in addition, the, there's a widespread establishment of polyclinics, which could be seen as the uh, parallel to the primary health networks here in Australia. Um, so in Cuba, it moved from uh, originally a very uniform structure across the country to a much more locally responsive structure that has led to much improved healthcare and with the polyclinics having a very important role in quality control and capacity building uh, and service provision based on the needs of the local population rather than a top-down um, fund allocation. Now, interestingly, the, um, the Cuban, Cuba's GDP is relatively low um, and 
they spend about 10% on healthcare, which is similar to what Australia does. And their healthcare has, or their health uh, status has improved substantially over the last 40 years um, to be much closer to that of the United States, including their life expectancy, et cetera, and their infant mortality has dropped below that of the United States. So one of the key elements of this is the uh, relationship between the doctors and nurses who work as a team. And um, the nurses go visiting, do home visits in the local community, I think it's at least twice a year. Uh, and they rarely move out of the community, so they develop this real strength of, uh, in terms of the continuity of care. Uh, recently, there was an article in the conversation, or I think late last year, about the, um, the Cuban-trained medical graduate, written by a Cuban-trained medical graduate, who suggested that it was this high level of general access um, and the dedication of the healthcare workers which was a, a, a real strength. And also, um, interestingly, their emphasis was that uh, all of the GPs, or about 97% of the medical graduates, have, have a specialisation in family medicine, which is a requirement. Um, so I think that's interesting, interesting given that uh, in Australia, often uh, general practice is seen as a lower kind of level of prestige compared to specialists. You also pointed to the Alaska NUCA system of care, which is underpinned by three key elements, customer ownership, relationship, and whole of system transformation. How do these elements work together to create a successful healthcare system? And what are some of the changes the model has brought about? Yeah, this is a really interesting model. It was established by the South Central Foundation under tribal authority of the Native Alaskan community back in the 1980s. Um, it's a non-profit, native-owned and operated healthcare organisation, and it takes a very holistic approach to healthcare. It also acknowledges the impact of multiple factors on um, the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual well-being and the unique influence of the local culture and practice. So this model uses an empowerment approach to enhance the native Alaskan culture and to give individuals and their families the power to make their own health choices. So those three elements, the, the patients are not called patients, they're called customer owners, and they're treated as equals who make, who share the decision-making about their health care. Uh, the second element is about the relationships, and in particular, the relationship between the customer owner and the primary health care team. So healthcare decisions are tailored to the unique situation of the customer owner and includes their values and their preferences. And then the third element is the whole system transformation. And, and this is not just about healthcare delivery, but it's about getting the right balance in the workforce, including the training and the development and the financial considerations, of course. Um, this system moved away from the patients as beneficiaries of, of a long-established Indian health service that was controlled by Washington um, and patients were waiting weeks to get appointments. They saw somebody different every time and both patients and the employees had very low satisfaction. There was a real disconnection between mind and the body and it also ignored um, the cultural needs of the community. So yeah, this is now, this is much more than just 
um, training uh, Indigenous staff, uh, it's quite relevant to the Australian Indigenous population who also argue for an empowerment approach. Um, and the results from this have been quite outstanding. Um, the satisfaction rate has gone up well over 90% for both the customer owners and for the employees. And there's been about a 25% reduction in emergency department visits and also in the primary healthcare visits. So yes, it's not a perfect uh, system, but they, it's been quite long established and uh, they're doing some really uh, interesting things there, particularly for Indigenous populations. What are some other international models that you believe Australia should look to and that, that are showing promise? Uh, well, in the article that we wrote uh, in December last year, uh, there was a map that where we highlighted uh, six different models. They were all quite different, but they showed uh, they were all having an impact of, in some way, and many of them showed great potential. Um, so there are there are lots of others as well. There's a Dutch model of primary health care that that says uh, that no person should be more than 15 minutes from a um, GP. That probably wouldn't work so well here in mm -hmm. Australia with the distances that people might have to travel, mm -hmm. but uh, certainly works in the Dutch situation. And and in the United States, there are the healthcare homes that are also target uh, chronic diseases that are quite um, successful. And here in Australia, too, there are some individual groups that are making a difference, too. Um, but I think it, it could be useful to have something like a repository um, along the lines of the clinical trial databases um, that show a, a number of these different models that, that could be drawn on. But in the, um, uh, uh, for the primary health networks, they're all responsible for quite different regions and populations. And one, no one model is likely to meet all of their needs, even within a, P, a PHN, it's unlikely. Um, but having some kind of inbuilt flexibility, which is quite common across these models, can overcome many of those different issues. So, for example, the, the Greater Manchester model is quite exciting, but it's really suited more to the urban populations and it still has to be evaluated. Um, the, the Nuka model and the, the Manukau model from New Zealand, um, also, they, those are useful where there are high levels of Indigenous populations and uh, where cultural influences need to be taken into consideration. Um, so for each of the PHNs, the models that um, provide guidance might differ. Um, their needs assessments can be a good starting point for that. So generally speaking, what are some of the, the common features of successful international models that you would like to see primary healthcare networks or, or policymakers focus on in Australia? Or how should primary healthcare networks go about uh, integrating successful models or, or parts of successful mm. models into their, their primary healthcare networks? Yeah, I think this is something that needs to, needs to take uh, approach a, um, sort of a multi-level approach. So it has to come from a macro level at policy, the meso level of the organisation, such as the primary health networks, and also the micro level service delivery. So um, I think 
firstly, first and foremost, it's got to be a willingness to invest in primary health care. This is a, one of the kind of uh, common features of all of the different successful models is a really strong primary health care focus. Um, there has to also be some flexibility um, so that, the, you know, there's a, an acknowledgement from the bottom up, the needs, um, but also some influence from the top down in terms of um, quality and evidence and standards, etc., and training and all of that kind of thing. Um, the other things that are very common, I guess, across these models is a very strong focus on prevention. Um, and that's quite clear in all of them. And I think that has been shown to be one of the one of the real strengths of the Cuban model as well as the Greater Manchester model. Um, the other thing is the kind of neighbourhood or contextual uh, focus, uh, where the the problems that are that arise from the local context also can provide some of the solutions for the local context. Um, and integrated care, of course, is the other big issue, but it's not on its own, it's insufficient. It really needs to have that focus on prevention as well. Um, what else can I say? The, the ser service integration by uh, when you're only targeting those at high risk and those at uh, high cost kind of patients is really a poor choice for reducing costs. There has to be an uh, emphasis on on prevention, and that's what has shown to be successful in the Cuban, the Greater Manchester, the Swedish, and the German Kinzingtail model. Thank you for your time, Petra. No problem.